But what a wonderful thing it is to be able to be here in the house of God on this Sunday morning, looking at the word of the Lord. I think of our Sunday school class, and I think, my goodness, isn't this amazing? Here we are, probably, if we take the whole time of the service, how long is it? From 9.30 on, say, to 12, maybe 12.30 or 11.30, two hours, two hours a week that we're absorbing the word of God, and we're, we're sharing it, we're hearing it, and and what a blessing that is. I look over and I see, uh, I see, um, well, let's see, I know Don Cantrell's name and the name of Thomas. I couldn't think of Thomas's name. I see those guys here in the Sunday school class. Boy, every Sunday. In fact, we're keeping a list of the names in the Sunday school class. And some of them are, that name is all across there. Nada's name is all across there. Willie Mae is all across there. Then occasionally there's one or two. And... Um, Actually, those people are in Canada, but I mean, there are people that were, 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 were the, it's a wonderful thing to have that Sunday school class, and we enjoyed it so much this morning with uh, Linda Ortega teaching it, and, and what a blessing that was. So it's a joy to see every one of you here, too, as my, as my son has already said. I know some of you thought he was, he was my brother. No, that's, uh, I, I, I just look much younger than I actually am, and, and people uh, kind of can well, I'm just making all that up right now. Let's turn in our Bibles and let's read about sowing and reaping. This is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. You have, uh, you have the reading there in your Bibles. I may, I may need to refer to one or two other things in, in the book of Galatians as well. But when my son spoke to me about the preaching on the Sunday morning, this was the, this was the scripture that I felt approved in my heart to, uh, to meditate upon. It's put, here, it's put here for a reason. The Holy Spirit directed that this be included in God's word. And it's, there, there's, there's a warning and there's a promise of, of blessing and help that come from God if we keep in mind all of the The church at Galatia or in Galatia, because that was spread out over quite a broad area, were having problems. Those people at times were fussing and devouring one another. I'm so grateful that our church has never, have never, has never done that. And we love each other. We, we love God, and we, we want to be loved. And God reveals his love to us, and what a blessing it is. So let's read this. Galatians chapter 6, and start, starting with verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Another way of saying God cannot be deceived. A man reaps what he sows, and so do the ladies and the young people. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit of God, this is a capital S on this word Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Uh, there's some really things encapsulated and summarized there for us. You know, there's this universal law in the natural world of seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. And I, I have that phrase here, a universal law in the natural world. You know, there, isn't, there is no such thing as a natural world. 
The world we live in is a miracle world. Miracles in every sense, in every time, in every way. The fact that we have this universe, this, uh, this globe, planet Earth, out here in the middle of space, surrounded by billions of galaxies, and all of them keeping in their own course and uh, in their own operation, moving outwards, they tell us, in every direction that we can think of, there they are. And as far as we know, that's all there is out there beyond them also. Uncountable galaxies and stars. And this earth is the place where God created us and we live here. It's kept in orbit by the sun and by the other planets. And there's one of those planets out there that's called the filter. I can't think which one that is. And it keeps all that earth, that um, space trash from crashing into the earth. I didn't know that, but those who study those things know this is a miracle earth. You're a miracle. Every time a baby is born, that's a miracle. Can you imagine that? A little brain, a little body, a little digestive system, and a circulatory system, and respiratory system, and nervous system, especially the nervous system. Because they're, they're kind of nervous. Somebody said, I slept like a baby last night. I, I just cried and tossed all night long. But um, usually we mean something else. But it's a miracle world. And, and God is the one that sustains the miracle. So there is this universal law, though, that as long as the earth endures, and this is in Genesis, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. As long as the earth endures. So we're aware of that. We know that, that if a, um, if a farmer wants a harvest, he must sow his seed. What happens to a plot of ground if the farmer hasn't sold any seed, sowed any seed? It's, uh, it's, uh, it has another word. It's not a plant. What is it? If it's not a plant, it's a weed. It's a weed. That's what it is. And um, I've grown some healthy-looking weeds without even trying. But you know what? If we want to harvest, that we have to plant the seed. That's true in what we call the natural world. And the kind of harvest is determined by the kind of seed that we sow. Uh, if you, I read this funny little statement, it would certainly be a surprise if you planted corn and pumpkins came up, wouldn't it? But if you plant barley, you expect to get a barley crop. Or plant wheat, you get a wheat crop. You plant corn, you get a, a corn crop. And you don't get anything any different that according to how things generally operate. We know that there are exceptions and problems that, that, uh, that crop up sometimes unexpectedly. Also, it's true that if we plant good seed, we'll likely have a good crop. If we sow plentifully, we will reap plentifully. The scripture tells us that in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's another point. The reapers don't decide what the harvest will be. It's the sower who decides that. Now, all this has application to your life and my life, to our spirits, to our relationship with God. You and I are always sowing as well. We're sowing seed. There's such a thing as sowing wild oats. Maybe you've heard of that and and the terrible thing about that is, is that uh, there's a reaping and a harvest day for that as well. We look around us right now and we see in our high schools, in our universities, 
in uh, every institution that we have on planet Earth where the wrong kind of seed is being sown and there is a terrible harvest that's being reaped right now. We, we think about those who decide to sow some seed in the matter of taking drugs and their lives are ruined by it. We see, for example, couples who marry or don't marry and have three or four children and then turn them over to the grandparents to rear them. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for a son who married a wonderful lady, a wonderful person, our beloved daughter-in-law, and four, the four wonderful children. And it's a wonderful thing to have those four children come to our home for a while and then go back to their home. And uh, being parents like that and grandparents. Now, I have told them, I said, look, they, your parents like to take trips. They like to go off to places like Spain and places like, um, I don't know, uh, Washington, D.C., and out to California to a place called Disneyland or Disney World. I don't know. It's one of those. One of those. And I tell them, look, if you're bored and you don't want to go, two of you can stay with us. Two boys to the two girls. The others have to go and endure the boredom that you have to endure when you're off on a trip like that. They always laugh and tell me that they're very bored and then they leave as quickly as possible and come back telling, showing me the pictures of the things that they saw there. But we're always sowing with our thoughts, with our deeds. We're sowing in ourselves, we're sowing in our families, and we're sowing in God's record book as well. A record is being kept of everything we've ever said or done or thought. Even the Bible tells us that we will be judged by our idle words. And that could sound a little scary at first, but if your idle words are not bad words, there's nothing to be scared about. We all have idle words that we use. It, ju it just simply means that even to that smallest detail, God is interested in what we're doing here on planet Earth. We are, in a sense, on probation. And uh, for those of us who accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and we're in the ocean of his love, what a blessing that is. There are forces that want to lure us out of the ocean of God. And the people in Galatia were having a problem with that. They were false teachers, but these people also had gotten to the point where they were fighting one another and fussing with one another. Paul said, be careful. You get to grasping and clawing and biting, and you're going to devour one another, and you're going to be devoured. And we have to watch out for that as well because we are not yet in a, in, a, in a perfect world. One day we will be. And our prayer is, Lord, your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Well, that, that would be glorious because the will of God is done perfectly in heaven. And that means there's perfect peace, there's perfect joy, there's perfect life, there's perfect hope. Everything is wonderful in heaven because the will of God is done. And the reason there's not perfect joy and happiness and felicity on planet Earth is because God's will is being ignored and violated and transgressed and, 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 and rejected. But we want God's will done because if his will is done on Earth like it's done in heaven, that will be a glorious time. Uh, there, was, uh, there was an evangelist, and I may, I may take this story and change it a little bit, uh, because he was talking about revival. He said, uh, it was Dwight Moody who did this. He said, take a piece of chalk. If you want to know how to start a revival, take a piece of chalk and go out on the pavement or on the floor and draw a circle. And then 
stand inside that circle and say, Lord, send revival and start it in this circle right here where I'm standing. So if we're praying, God, your will be done on earth, let's draw that circle, let's stand inside it, and let's say, Lord, your will be done, and let it start being done right here in this circle, in my life, in my heart. And when we understand things as we ought to, we understand that the worst thing I can do is have my own way in everything. And the best thing I can ever do is have God have his way in everything. I found out. I've been serving the Lord for quite a while. I, 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 I gave my life to the Lord when I was nine. And uh, that, was, that was 1989, as best I can figure right now. 1989? No, I think I've missed it there a little bit. But, uh, but I, all these years, God, I've been seeking God's will. Now, not perfectly. I missed it a lot of times. But, boy, I hit it a lot of times, too. And what a blessing, what a blessing it is to know you're in God's will and you're glorifying him. Perfect, who said? I'm perfect. I'm the only thing that can draw me out of God's will if I turn my back on Jesus and decide to follow some other gods as the people in, where was it, in, in, in Galatia were about to do. Depend on the law for salvation. No, we depend on Jesus Christ for salvation. Amen. I give my heart to him. He gives himself to me, and we're going to be walking together for, boy, a big bunch of years yet. I've already promised me what. We're going to live 140 years, so that gives me several more years to go. And then all through eternity, we're going to be walking with the Lord. Amen. There's going to be that blessing and that joy of knowing that he's with us and, and he's, he's giving, giving us the kind of life we always wanted. Well, if you sow to the sinful nature... And that's what our text says. Do not be deceived. We go back up to the top. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Now, I think maybe Paul is writing about what will happen at the end of everything. But it is also true that if I'm sowing to the flesh right now, to my fallen nature, and I do whatever craving comes across me, I'm destroying myself. You know who else I would destroy if I did that? I'd be destroying my wife. I'd be destroying my family. I don't want my family destroyed. I want my family strengthened. I want my wife strengthened. You know what? I'm going to stand before God one of these days, and I'm sure one of the questions God is going to ask me is, Son, how did you improve the commitment of your sweet little wife to me by the way you treated her? My, my, my stewardship is to make of my wife a better Christian than she would be without me and to make of me a better Christian than I would be without her. And uh, I want to sow the right seed. And I want to hear the Lord say, well done, little buddy, or, or whatever he would say, son, sonny, sonny boy, I guess he might say. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to reward you abundantly. There's a, a great reward awaiting us there. But if I sow to the flesh that lower part of, with its passions and desires, I'm going to break out in the works of the flesh. And I, I didn't bring a list of those here, but they're in that fifth chapter of Galatians in, in your Bible. You can read them, and part of one of them is envy. One is jealousy. One is hatred. One is uh, was riots and 
bag bad arguments and witchcraft and all the, all those things are work of the flesh. Not so much of the flesh here, but the flesh that has the cravings to want to go in the wrong direction. And that those were the things I could be doing just like anybody else. But thank God. I quit sowing to the flesh. I quit caving into it. I quit pandering to it, quit cuddling and stroking it, and I crucified it most of the time. Hallelujah. And I've been delivered from it. Every time, John, John Stott said, every time we allow our minds to harbor a grudge, to nurse a grievance, to entertain an impure fantasy, to wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. I found out that self-pity is, is a bad thing. When I begin to feel sorry for myself, man alive, I, I, I'll tell you what's helped me to stop that. And that is, I, I stop to think, you know, God loves me, even though whatever that person said shows not too much love, God loves me and God cares for me. And what I really am concerned about is not so much what other people are thinking. I'm concerned about what God is thinking. And I know pretty well what God is thinking because I read his word. I read the Bible. And he tells me, number one, that he loves me. Number one, that he wants to help me. Number one, that he, number two or three, that he guides me. So I quit sowing to corruption and destruction. You know, people come up sometimes to young people and say, hey, would you like to try uh, I don't know. I don't know the names of all the all the drugs. Hardly any of them. I think one of them is called weed, isn't it? And is, is that uh, marijuana? Is that what that is? You know more. How come you know all that? I, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Weed. I read that somewhere. I sure. All right. And then there's meth, isn't there? And then there's angels' hair. Didn't I see that somewhere? Oh, these are old ones. There are new ones now. But you know what? People are taking drugs sowing a, a drug-driven life, destroying themselves. We, we work in Teen Challenge. We have to contact with them. And occasionally I'll ask one of the ladies there, now, do you have children? Yeah, I have three children. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I have two children. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think, my goodness, sowing to the lower nature destroys now. It doesn't wait to the future. It's destroying lives right now. And God wants to deliver from that. He wants us to stop that. So what do we do? We sow to please the Holy Spirit. We go back up to our text there at the top. The one who sows to a sinful nature we read. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And you know what? That eternal life starts right now. Amen. How many of you have eternal life? Amen. I have eternal life. Well, are you going to die? Yeah, probably, I'm probably going to die. But I don't lose that eternal life because that's my relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, he who believes in me, in me shall never die. And he's referring to that second death where we're separated from God. And I, I don't even want to think about existing like that. But we have some scriptures here uh, by, by point number three, sowing to please the Holy Spirit and I've chosen the New Living Translation uh, to take that text because it sometimes makes it uh, uh, come to us in a fresh sort of way. And Paul wrote Romans 8 and 6, and he said, So letting your sinful nature, or letting your flesh, control your mind leads to death. 
But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You know why? If I let my sinful nature control my mind, you know what? There's some people I, I, I don't like. Uh, there's some people I would really like to kick the britches, and they're politicians. But you know what? God helps me, and I love those people. But it's not me. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit that helps me to love those guys. They're treating me rotten. They're treating you rotten. But, hey, I'm living a pretty good life. I told my wife the other day, you know, we have a wonderful life. We are blessed. How blessed we are in spite of those politicians. Well, some of them have helped us, and we're grateful for that. And I just mentioned them so that I don't have to mention some other people. But... Uh, so letting your sinful nature control your mind, you know, you've got to be careful of that television. I, I don't see Stephen here. He's not in here, is he? Do you see him? <laughs> anyway, he, um, he don't, don't tell him I said this. But anyway, well, this is all right. He said he was in a certain place, I guess, with the family, and the television was on, and he couldn't believe what they were sitting there watching on that television set. You don't have to imagine. You know what it is. We all know what it's like. That's why we don't have a television set. We've never had a television set. We had a small one in, in Madrid, but it was, uh, there were only two television stations, and they both, both belonged to the government. Extremely boring as, as things like that go, so it was never a problem. But we don't want the devil to be controlling our minds because it leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. There are some things on television that are fine, all except CNN. Don't watch that. But I mean, apart from that one, um, the, the things, things can be uh, you know, pretty good at times. Galatians 5.16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Hallelujah. You'll be delivered from that bondage and that thing that drags you down and begins your destruction right now. Galatians 5.25 on the next page, next side. Since we're living with the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You know, who invented happiness? Who invented pleasure? You know, the devil has never invented a single pleasure, not a single one. He's perverted quite a few of them. But God is the author of pleasure and happiness and joy and peace and blessing. And he fills our lives with those things when we get, let him have his way in our hearts. So that last text is Philippians 3.19. And it speaks of those who are feeding their passions and and, and wrong-headed drives, they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Oh, but we're thinking about, well, we're thinking about our lives in heaven, but you know what? I really would like to live another 30 or 40 years. And if I can do that, that's that'd be about 8, 18, 28 then I said 40 years, no, about another 30 years, that's fine. Because this earth is God's earth. God created it. 
there's a lot of wrong things taking place. But I, I find myself very happy at times on planet Earth as I see God, as I draw near to the Lord, as I walk in his ways and, and I'm able to speak his word and, and have the peace of God that passes all understanding. So I'm not concerned about those shameful things. I think about the things that contribute to happiness in life and peace and joy, like being with you folks in the house of God, worshiping the Lord. Let's bring this message to a conclusion by looking at that last point. We'll reread our text right now under point number four, Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Thank God he's not mocked. You know, God is never taken by surprise. Nobody's ever surprised God. He always knew what they were thinking before they thought it. And so he's in charge. He's in control. And, and my heart is blessed when I think about that. And he tells me that whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, his own lower nature, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary if we do not faint, if we do not quit. Somebody tells you to get out of the ocean of God, you say, no way, I'm not quitting. I'm staying right here in the ocean of God. Nothing's going to bring me out of it because I'm, I'm hanging in there and not just barely hanging in there. I am staying in there because I'm an overcomer and Jesus has made me to be a winner and an overcomer and to make me to triumph. What a joy it is to know that we're on the winning side. Amen. You say, how do you know you're on the winning side? Well, you know what I do when I'm reading a book and they just kind of drag things out and I want to find out how it turned out. You know what I do? I go over to the end of the book. And I've already gone to the end of the book and I know how it turns out. Hallelujah. And I'm on the winning side. And if you know the Lord Jesus, you're on the winning side. And if you don't know him yet, you're about to have a glorious experience when you commit your life to him. Amen. Hallelujah. And you're going to be a winner as well. So let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. One of the writers made these notes. There's only one danger that faces the spiritual farmer. It is double expressed here in grow weary or lose heart or despair. And he says, giving in to difficulty seems to be the original idea, but it soon takes on the weaker sense to grow weary. It meant he has abandoned effort. Well, I'm not quitting. And you and I, with God's help, are going to come out winning a lot of battles yet. I've won a lot of battles. I lost. I'm not going to tell you whether that was many or few, but I have lost some. But you know what? I'm going to win a lot more yet. Amen. And you're going to win a lot more yet because we're not quitting. We're not abandoning. We're not losing heart. We're not despairing. We are to serve the Lord till we reach the end of the race. I've told you, I've told you several times across the years about a gentleman who told of his experience when he was 14 years of age. His family moved around quite a bit. They moved to a new town and he noticed on the school announcement board there's going to be a race on a certain day. 
and there were going to be three prizes given, first, second, third. And he, he made up his mind, I'm going to win that third prize. He showed up for the race that day. He hadn't practiced, never run a race in his life, I guess. And he, he, he showed up for the practice. There were three guys there already, and they looked at the newcomer, and they said, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm going to win third prize. Now, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of confidence, isn't it? I'm going to win third prize. The guy says, no, you're not. I'm going to win first prize. He's going to win second prize. He's third prize. You're not going to win nothing. You might as well leave. But you know what? He hung on. He stayed right there. When the, when the signal sounded, he took off running. They left him in the dust. They got so far ahead. And um, by the time he had covered any distance at all, half the stands were empty because the people had already seen what they wanted to see. He had a chance to run out a side gate there, and nobody would mind. But he said, no, I'm going to keep running. He had glasses on. They were getting steamed up. His legs were turning to rubber. And, but, but he could see enough to know that something was going on up there on the, on the ground of the, of the race course. And what had happened, the guy that was going to get third, pri third prize, he, uh, I shouldn't say seizure because Kyle said, no, don't say seizure. Okay, but something happened. He fell down. And his friends were there trying to help him. They told him, run quick, quick, crawl if you have to get across the line. It's right there. He's, he's coming on. you got to do it. But he couldn't get up. So our, our newcomer staggered across the finish line, won third prize, went home and told his folks about it. They didn't know he was, he was even going to go enter in a race. But he won that prize. Do you know why he won that prize? Well, you could say two or three things, couldn't you? But basically, because he finished the race. He finished the race. So we're not quitting. We're going to finish the race. Amen. And if we finish the race, we're going to win a prize. Yeah. And that prize is going to be eternal life and a rich entrance into the kingdom of heaven, as the apostle Peter tells us, and joy unending and life and peace and freedom from the corruption and the, and the destruction in the world. And you and I will live in a world that God had planned for us from the beginning. Hallelujah. So I've given my heart to the Lord, and nobody's going to lure me out of that ocean. I may not be perfect, and I'm not perfect. I don't, I, I, I don't claim perfection in public. I save that for when I'm alone. But, uh, and then I don't do it there either. But, but you know what? There are times when I'm perfect. <laughs> Nobody's around for me to tell them about it, but, but, I, but, but there are times when I'm perfectly obeying God. I don't have a wrong thought. Now, I know Brother Jim has a story. A guy says, Lord, I can't even remember what he said, but he said, I haven't done anything bad today. It's a wonderful thing, and I haven't made any wrong decisions, and in 10 minutes, I've got to get up out of bed and face life today. And, well, but I'm talking about there are times when I've been praying or I've been reading my Bible or I've just been rejoicing. Lord, I'm at peace with God. There's joy in my soul. Thank God I'm on my way to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Everything is fine. My wife loves me. She just cooked a nice meal. And uh, no, I don't say that. But anyway, I, 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 I'm thankful for my spouse that God has given me. And then something happened along the way. Maybe not that day, but the next day. Somebody provokes me into saying something that I shouldn't say or think something I shouldn't think. And what do I do? Well, I have to ask God to forgive me. 
And sometimes I don't even have to ask God. I just, I just know he's going to forgive me because I, I'm not going to do that again by his help and his grace and his mercy. So we're going to finish the race. And um, that takes effort, you know. It takes effort to finish the race. I've got three other verses I want to read to you. And all these have the phrase, make every effort. It takes an effort to serve God. Not to get saved because it's a free gift. But to continue living for God takes an effort. Uh, to get to church, to read the Bible, to be faithful, to witness to others, to be the example we ought to be. Luke 13, 24 says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, Jesus tells us, will try to enter and will not be able to. Past a certain time. 2 Peter 1, 5. For this very reason, the apostle Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. It's not always easy to be good. But if we're trusting God and looking to him, we can add goodness to our faith and to our goodness, knowledge. That's why we have Sunday school class. We're trying to add knowledge to your faith and to your goodness that God wants us to have. Make every effort. We have to move out of our comfort bubble sometimes in order to do the things we ought to do. And we go to 2 Peter 3.14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Peter says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Hallelujah. I want to be found at peace with the Lord Jesus. You know what? It, it, how that happens? It happens when you open your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. You know, Nobody can get into your heart that you don't let in. And I don't think Jesus is going to get in there until you ask him to. I was about nine years of age when I asked the Lord to come into my I really don't even remember my words. But I certainly was looking to the Lord and calling on his name. And that night, I had not been able to drop off to sleep. I was afraid to go to sleep. But once I gave my heart to the Lord, I went to sleep. I didn't wake up all night long, woke up the next morning with salvation in my heart, my sins forgiven. Jesus was living inside of me, and I never had that problem again. You know what? The Lord wants to do that for you. He wants, he wants to bless your heart and life. You know what you can do? Right where you are, you can ask Jesus to come into your life. And he hears. He knows. He knows what you're saying. He knows what you're thinking. Let's do that right now.